All right, so my name is William Lee, and this is uh, Notable Nashville, and I'm going to play this uh, song for you called uh, Psalm of the Psalter. So it goes a little like this. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Notable Nashville Podcast. We got William Lee that just played that amazing song right there. Was that was that just a, a newer song or is it off yeah, of... Yeah, that, those are both new songs that I just um, have written in the past few months. So, yeah. Well, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. <laughs> right, thanks, man. Uh, so I, I saw that you were from Maryville, Tennessee. I am. Is, is that how you say it? Merville? Yeah. With, a lot of, well, the... a lot of people say Merville. <laughs> Merville. Merville. 
But um, I actually say Maryville because my mother was an English teacher. So. Oh, okay. So you got to be proper. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're basically like a native of Nashville. Did you grow up all around um, just kind of the outskirts of Nashville, or when did you move to the city? Oh, well, actually, no, I grew up in, in Maryville. Um, I did live here after high school for a year, uh, and then I went to school at UTK in Knoxville. Okay. And then I went to, after that, I went to Los Angeles, and I was there for LA. about 13 years. So wow. A long time. So what was it like in L.A.? Well. The music scene. Actually, that was one of the reasons I kind of came back. It, it was kind of fractured and, you know, it's such a big place yeah. that it's not at all like here, basically, which is that I think here you have a real like community of people that actually help each other out uh-huh. and they're interested in, in each other's what they're each other are doing. Yeah. And it's, and people go and support each other. But in Los Angeles, it's just, it was so, um, kind of spread out and just so difficult just to live there. I think it was just, it never really got that sense of community. So you had a few bands that actually did well, but it really wasn't coordinated. One of the bands that, we used to open for a lot back when I was in this band with my brother called um, Band of Americans was um, this band called uh, BRMC which stands for Black Red Bull Motorcycle Club they were out of they are out of uh, San Francisco and they did very well but this I tell this story just because it kind of gives you a sense of the, the of the place which is we would play with them when they were kind of getting going uh-huh. and then they got signed by Virgin Records and then basically they just kind of disappeared. So there, there seemed to be this this kind of sense in Los Angeles like people were there to really kind of make it in the music yeah. business, which was never really my personal intention. I mm-hmm. just like making music. Yeah, um, I'm fine with making money in other ways, <laughs> you know. So not not that I would be opposed if you want to give me lots of money for music, <laughs> but yeah. But you just did it to, did you find that it was easier to write songs in Nashville and, uh, cause you kind of had that community here? Well, yeah, you, you do get kind of inspired by other people. I think it's more interesting to see local music and what, and how people are writing like in person mm-hmm. than, um, just listening to recorded music, you know? Yeah. And especially, you know, a, a big part of my kind of people I'm friends with here are actually not even what I do, which is in the bluegrass world. Mm-hmm. And so the bluegrass and old time music world still has this kind of sense of people sitting around and playing music together. Yeah. Um, and you get really a sense of this kind of fluidity of things. So people kind of figure out you have a parts and B parts to songs and you, so that you can actually play with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's kind of like very different than I think pop music how it's written because that's usually written by individuals and a lot of times it's written in the studio you know ever since the Beatles people write more in the studio and and it's very kind of specific to that kind of moment of recording but it's not like a living thing which is like what folk music is a living shared kind of thing that's interesting so as far as like you know writing in the studio right then write Mm -hmm. it and then right then record it right okay but I mean, that's I mean, writing in the studio is a, is kind of an interesting thing. You know, David Bowie was known for writing in the studio, and that's how he got a lot of kind of interesting effects. Because if you don't, if you 
lot of the traditional way of people recording studios is they they're a band and they work on songs they go there and then it's just pretty much clear cut like oh we record these songs and then we'll do these overdubs you know uh-huh. and you get this very kind of you know it's it's very obvious like what's happening whereas like if you experiment and actually write in the studio you can actually have some other kind of things happening so for example that first song i played which is when i get around to recording it that's really just a framework so the chords are frame the reason why it's actually doesn't really have a verse chorus pattern it just goes into one round you'd call it uh-huh. is so that you can actually kind of open it up with kind of different kind of instrumentation when you actually get into parts. writing it so it won't sound like that at all i mean the melody will be the same but and, that's about it and you were telling me that it's you know it's going to be a, a lot of like electric guitar a lot of instrumentation yeah and uh, i've got i've got some, a lot of friends around town so i got a really good viola player um elsie gibson and i'll probably use her on a lot of the violins and and viola and then there's just a lot of that's the other great thing about being in nashville actually i'll, I'll to, to praise nashville a little bit is that there are so many good musicians in town mm-hmm. and they're so willing to work on projects as, oh, yeah. as long as you prepare things for them you know, do your your due diligence and pre-production you can get amazing players just to do all kinds of things so that's another kind of great advantage of being here you know yeah and that's why i like this show too because there's tons of musicians here and yeah. all different types and mm-hmm. we have a lot of different people on the show but right yeah as far as your history um I read that your grandfather was, uh, was it a viola or sacred harp music? What was it? Oh, violin? The, sa- the sacred harp. Yeah. My, on my mother's side, my uh, grandfather was a member of a, a primitive Baptist church. Okay. So, you know, I'm not, it's not that I'm supremely religious, but I do find that the primitive Baptists were interesting in their kind of belief system. So one of their belief systems is that the only um, instrument that's appropriate for praising God or whatever, you know, is uh, the human voice. And so they don't allow, you know, in their in their um, sanctuaries, they don't have pianos or organs or anything oh, wow. like that. So to actually make the music, then they have this thing called sacred harp singing or shape note singing, where they basically, my grandfather would get up. They have hymnals, though, and it actually yeah. shows the notes. And okay. so everybody would just create this kind of almost like a you know wall of sound where they just fill in this harmony and they'd sing almost in unison you can find this stuff there are some recordings of it oh, you know, so back the sig- from the 20s and stuff yeah so the sacred harp music is not really a harp it's a uh, actual singing yeah they call it a sacred harp because they imagine like each voice is like a string on a harp uh, so if you were to plug a harp so they that so that's sense. their voices right yeah um but more interestingly, too, is that down in, in Alabama, in lower Alabama, where this was, that he would actually teach this to other churches around um, the area, especially to um, African-American churches. So it's kind of interesting that I've always had this belief that um, music is one thing that supersedes all these social problems that we have, like race and things like that. Uh-huh. And even back then, you know, this was like, you know, in the 40s and 50s, you know, blacks and whites were actually as far as religion was concerned a lot of them were actually intermingling a lot whereas in their regular life they were very segregated and separate so that's what kind of i get from that what i find interesting out of that it's the universal uh love language i think yeah exactly (laughs) everybody come together (laughs) yeah yeah that's right but uh your your love for music kind of started with the band lead belly is that correct 
Well, it's not a band. It's a, a musician. Musician, uh, not a band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of him actually. So well, don't don't, don't hate uh, me. No, <laughs> fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lead Belly was. Um, uh, there was this guy named Alan Lomax and John Lomax. John Lomax actually was the original guy who would go around and record, do field recordings back in the in the South, back in the 30s and 40s. I think that's the right time period. I might be historically wrong about that. But um, Lead Belly was one of his finds. So Lead Belly um, played a 12-string guitar. He played early blues. He played also with Woody Guthrie back in the day. You've probably heard of him. Um, and And he was just a great player i don't know there's something just really struck me with those early recordings i'd gotten a tape from this label out of san francisco called uh, tomato records and um it was a live concert and dedication to lead belly and it had people like pete seeger on it and arlo guthrie and the staples singers all these people okay and um and i had that tape and i got it i played it in this buick electra i got from my my <laughs> my uh stepfather's mother so my step grandmother i guess you'd say yeah um, i kind of inherited this car so i'd play the tape in there and it got stuck in the tape player so i would just so that also maybe converted me because i basically that was all i could listen to for the next you know as long as i owned that car for like four <laughs> years you know? it was stuck in there yeah so it was just kind of like you know it was on a tape loop in my brain too at that point you know? that's funny mm-hmm. but you also have a you know a bachelor's degree in art history that's right so yeah. mm-hmm do you are you a uh, visual artist like as far as painting and yeah i do i, I okay. paint i mean i haven't i can't really claim it now i have painted and i intend to paint mm-hmm. again i guess but i haven't really painted in earnest in a long time okay. but i do a lot of the lessons i learned in painting because that was the first thing i did really before you know picking up a guitar and writing so it was kind of so i do take a painterly approach to music which means that kind of the lessons you learn about applying paint to canvas and, and what can be created and destroyed, I kind of take that approach with, with music as well. So, gotcha. yeah. And it's good. I mean, you should, every time you play, actually, it's like you're, you're performing, when you perform a song, it's basically like that is existing at that time, you know? Uh-huh. And so, you know, someone like Bob Dylan is someone, something you can learn from. People complain like, oh, I saw Bob Dylan. I couldn't recognize the song until I heard like one lyric I recognized three verses in. But he definitely takes that kind of painterly approach. And he's a painter, too. Okay. Of every time you perform a song, it's basically a new thing. You know, you're just following the framework that you've set out in this kind right. of mathematical way. But other than that, it's basically like you're you can kind of improvise within that structure and make it new every time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I really do like in your music, you do paint a picture and, um, I, I kind of want to hear another live song. Are you going to, are you going to tell a story in this song too? What's this one about? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, that's the one, the, the ways of the lonely ones. So it's, it's kind of based also on this guy named Manly P. Hall, who is kind of a spiritualist in the, <laughs> and he wrote a book called the ways of the lonely ones. Oh, okay. And he basically, so I had this, this idea of doing a, a verse part that's just basically kind of like lyrics that are about very philosophical kind of open-ended things they're just like you know like lessons i suppose uh-huh. and then the actual story that happens is in the verses and it's basically taken from this book the ways of the lonely ones which is this hunter goes into this mountain where it, the you know the old man this kind of archetype of the old man in the mountains you know uh-huh. lives there and then 
he kills this this deer, a stag, a male deer, you know, and then the the um, the hermit kind of confronts him about this and kind of and then in that confrontation is basically the lesson that you're supposed to learn from the book, the ways of the lonely ones. It's supposed to teach you about how what our relationship is to the natural world, how we're supposed to be stewards of this and that sort of thing. So it's got it's got that kind of message there. But I I mean. I'll leave it for people to... Another, Interpretation. Right, because that's another thing about painting, which is I may have intention when I write something, but you know, an audience person's reaction to it is their own. So right. there is no meaning beyond what you actually can take from it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's really awesome. All right, well, let's, <laughs> let's hear it. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Understand 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 I was right when I was young The day I found your gun I thought I was right about most everything But I was wrong about you When you're young you want a villain To play this part you were more than willing But when it comes to the actual killing We become all too human See the young hunter enter the mountain vale Where an old hermit in his cabin dwells Upon the ways of the lonely ones You'll come to understand when your pockets only hold your hands You weren't born from a woman, but from an animal Gazing into your mirror, the thought becomes so much clear That we're all alone here, in this shared dominion The hunter comes upon stag he draws his bow and knocks the arrow back He lets it loose but the stag does not react Because he's a brother to the lonely ones We step inside our clothes in order to walk through our doors Hide from all of those All that we don't want to know It's hard to tell a lie When you look someone dead in the eye Maybe that's the reason why We only truly lie to ourselves The hermit tells the hunter He has no right 
to take this majestic animal's life Because it does not belong to him But to those who live without and live within to those who live by the ways of the lonely one his bow aside Swearing to love all that lives and all that dies He swears it to the earth and to the sky He swears it to both you and I uh, Leaving us here alone to decide We'll live by the ways of the lonely ones Cause only the lonely ones truly understand Only the lonely ones understand Understand That was William Lee, Ways of the Lonely Ones. Um, you you go by William Lee in the Modern Primitives, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And mm-hmm. uh, Solo, Sometimes We'll See You as Blind We'll See? That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, where can we find your music? You got stuff on uh, website, SoundCloud, or anything like that? Yeah, I have a SoundCloud account. That's uh, I think it's ModPrim is, is the handle. And okay. that's the same for um, for uh, Instagram, I believe. It, that might be ModPrimLee. Sometimes I do that. Okay. Mod Prim Lee or Mod Prim. We'll just search William Lee and I'm sure something will pop yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> Although you usually get William Lee Golden, which is oh, really? from the, yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. William well, Lee and the Modern Primitives will get you to everything, I believe. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, you got a uh, seven inch vinyl that we can buy whenever mm-hmm. we see shows or go out to see Yeah, you. yeah. And I have um, a CD also, of, that's a full length album called, um, it's called uh, Lost Blues and Forgotten Ballads. And um, I did that in 2009. That was recorded in Los Angeles. So, yeah, I've just been back, you know, since 2014. And so I'm just trying to get the the wheels rolling again. All know? right. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us today, man. And uh, hope to see you out All right. in the yeah. uh, community soon. Well, thanks a lot, Jordan. Right, appreciate yep. it. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Notable Nashville Podcast, powered by World Stage. Big thanks to William Lee for stopping by, sharing those stories and some tunes. Also to Ken Fritz of General Joystick for our awesome theme song. Hey, you can find us on the socials, NotableNashville.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and be sure to hit us up on the web if you want to join us on the show. 
Everything produced by Jordan Johansson and Gary Brannigan. Join us next week for a new episode.